Crossroads of East Tennessee. Um, I'm Phil Pippinger, and thank you for joining us this evening at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday, July 2nd of 2020. Uh, this evening, we're going to get into part two of Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter four, and a lot to cover, a lot to see and check out. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for how you watch over us and give us direction. Thank you for this time that we have. God, I pray that as I teach that uh, my friends who are watching this, uh, I'm so grateful that they would want to look into this and check out your word. And I pray that I am a faithful witness. And I pray that what I say, that uh, um, it's, it's your word that's coming out loud and clear. And I pray that uh, those who receive this word from scripture, uh, I pray that they will be searching out your word with great eagerness and, and uh, always be checking out what I am saying, because I don't want anybody to just take my word for it. It's always your word that's our standard of truth and, and absolute integrity for our lives. God, I pray that as we look at Cain and Abel, may we see there's some things that are really pertinent and relative even to our lives, that we look at this and we see and we check this out. Um, it's not some old archaic story. It speaks truth to where we're at today and we see how people act and how they are in their lives. God, thank you for this time. We lift up the name of Jesus, the name above all names by which men must be saved. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey guys, thank you so much again for this time. Let's pick it up with Genesis chapter four and verse 16. Now to recap where we've talked about this, Adam and Eve, they have sinned. God drove them out of the garden. But God's showing his all grace and all his, his mercy and loving kindness and his forbearance and patience with them. I think that's what is something that people miss out so much about how the Lord is. He is so, he is so patient and so long-suffering for people. I think about it in my life personally, how he is with me. In spite of how I am, he's always showing love to me. Uh, are there consequences for sin? Absolutely. And I think that's something that's missing today. People think they have a license to go and do what they wish and how they wish. And we see that right here as we get into this with Cain. Adam and Eve, they have two sons. Cain is a farmer, very noble and honorable profession. <clears throat> Abel is a shepherd, another honorable profession. I think it says a lot about agriculture about people who are involved with raising animals and raising crops. It's hard. I mean, he is yielding uh, crops. He's yielding fruit from the ground. That, uh, the, the, it's cursed, but yet they're working by the sweat of their brow and they're working hard. They're honorable men. They come into the presence of the Lord. There's a certain time when you come and you worship the Lord and <clears throat> Abel comes and he's in obedience and he's, and God is, is righteous in <clears throat> receiving his offering and his sacrifice. Blood has been shed. They know that Adam and Eve, they drove that home with their children. Hey, the curse, it's bad, <clears throat> but God gives refuge. He redeems us from the curse. 
through the blood that's been shed. <coughs> and, and, and he used an animal. I believe it was a sheep. I believe that. I, I'm, I'm just, in, even in the Garden of Eden, I believe it was a sheep. But with that said, Abel is, is bringing livestock and he's sacrificing. Cain comes forward and he just thinks, hey, I'm just going to show off my what I've done here. Look at my harvest. Look what I've done. It might have, it wasn't just the attitude, but it was just the arrogance of, of this is going to suffice for me coming before the Lord. He rejected the idea of coming in the presence of the Lord with a, with a blood offering or a blood sacrifice, atonement, if you will, before God. Cain rejected that. Uh, as he came into his presence and God, God, so God rejected his offering. Cain has bitterness in him and it's, and it's bordering on anger and God in all of his long suffering. I've said that over and over so far, just in the five minutes I've been with you, but it's, it's driving home a point here about God's uh, exhaustive patience that he shows with us and the grace that he's reaching out. And he says, to Cain, hey, why are you down? Why is your countenance down? Why are you sullen and bitter and angry? If you not do well, will I not reward you? But if you if you keep this up, sin is crouching and knocking on your door. Do not you cannot let it overtake you. You got to get. You have to master this. Well, what does he do? He goes out. Hey, let me tell you what the Lord did with him. And they're just talking. He's talking with his brother. Cain out in the field. Let me tell you what, I have a conversation with you about what happened uh, between me and the Lord, possibly what he was talking about. Hey, let's talk about this. Why God reject me. Next thing you know, he rises up and he, he murders his brother. God questions him. Hey, what is this you have done? He gives some <clears throat> rebellious, uh, I'm going to shake my finger at you. Hey, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper kind of response that he says to the Lord? And God says, what is this you've done? His, your brother's blood cries out from the ground. Uh, you will no longer yield from the <clears throat> fruit or crop from the field. You'll be a wanderer and a vagabond. Uh, you're just going to wander on the earth. And so there's the consequences right there. And then the next thing you know, Cain, and he's grieving and he's got remorse, but he's not the least bit repentant. He's not broken to the point to where, hey, God, please forgive me. He's not come to that. All he's doing is he's going to say this in verse 14, in verse 13. He says, my punishment is too great to bear. <clears throat> verse 14, behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground and from your face I will be hidden. I will be a vagrant and a wonder on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. All of a sudden, it's God's fault that he's in this position. It's God's fault that, that, that Cain is in the position that he's in. He's brought all this on himself because he wanted, he resisted the Lord and he ran from the Lord. He wanted to be out of the presence of the Lord, as we're going to see here in just a few minutes. I find it interesting. I've heard, I, I remember hearing Robbie Zacharias. Oh, my goodness. Somebody asked a question about, hey, you know, where was God when this awful thing happened? These awful events happened in mankind's history. Where was God? And, and Ravi Zacharias said, he said, you know, everybody wants to say when this plane crash happened or the Holocaust or this, this major event, where was God when, when people suffered through those things? But yet 
there's there there are um, there's murder that goes on. People have made <clears throat> a decision and they've acted on it with enrage, and it's it's sometimes it's cold and calculated. It's premeditated, and they're going to murder somebody. Nobody says. Nobody wants to take responsibility for that. It's like, hey, where was God when people can take responsibility for their acts and their actions? Cain refuses to be responsible. You know what I learned real quick in life? I remember there were times early in our marriage, Amy and I, we would, we would, uh, I, I was wrong, but I wasn't going to admit it get into a little fuss or an argument. And I kept digging in, I kept digging in. And Amy, the voice of reason that she is and wisdom, she said, Phil, why can't you just say you were wrong? Why can't you just admit that you did this wrong? Why can't, if, if you would, this would go a whole lot smoother, but you just keep digging in and digging in and digging in. And you know what? When I think about this and I read this about Cain and Abel and I see what Cain's doing, think about myself in a smaller fashion, how your heart can get so calloused, it can get so hard-hearted, and you can get so vile in your spirit and such bitterness can take root in you and fester. All that that's building up is going to eventually come out. Yes, it will eventually Come out. That's what we saw with Cain. That's what happened. That bitterness became anger and it came out. James talks about this. He says, hey, you lust and then sin. And then next thing you know is it brings death. James talks about that. Yeah, it just, it just what's on the inside will eventually play out. And Jesus talked about that. Hey, you, you shall not murder. You've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. Hey, if you have anger towards your, towards your brother or your neighbor, guess what? You've committed that act in your heart. Same thing with adultery. Hey, thou shalt not commit adultery. If you've run that through your mind, a, a, an act of sex in your mind with another, hey, you have committed adultery. You have committed it. Man, that just cuts it all right there. It starts up here. It starts right here. And in the soul and the spirit right there, it starts right there. That's why we need to always tell uh, a lot of the high school kids that I work with, students, hey, be careful what you're taking into your mind between your ears. Be careful. Be careful. Anyway, and I think, and as I'm saying that to you, I'm saying it to me as well. I'll think about those things as well. Let's get back to this. Let's see. I'm sorry. I got off. <laughs> I got off on a preaching tangent, if you will. But let's look here. It, uh, God puts God in all of his gracious um, <clears throat> benevolence in what he does. He says, he says, hey, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain <clears throat> so that no one finding him would slay him. Now, I don't know. No, everybody, you know, whether it's a lot of the creationist um, scholars, uh, the evangelical, <clears throat> uh, you know, anybody studies Genesis, um, 
nobody really knows if that was some kind of a mark, like some type of tattoo on the forehead, on the arm, or some, some seem to think that it wasn't a mark of any kind. It just was a sign <clears throat> just giving some type of indication as men <clears throat> begin to populate on the face of the earth. Everybody knows, kind of knows who's who still. There's such intimacy with people. Everybody kind of knows and has a record of, of families and stuff that people would know who Cain is and they can recognize him. And they're like, hey, hands off. God has placed a refuge over him and he spared his life. So, so I, I, find, that, I find that incredible. Because God wanted to see Cain. He gave him every opportunity to turn in repentance. Give up your remorse and your grieving, but, but come in repentance. And I think about something that, that Peter talks about in 2 Peter. People were clamoring and just they were mocking the Christians who were talking about, hey, the Lord will come back. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back. And people would say, hey, where's he at? What's this seeming delay? Is he asleep up there? I mean, very mocking and blasphemous and a lot of rebellion in their hearts. And Peter would say, hey, the Lord is not slow in his delay in coming as some count slowness. <clears throat> but he is patient towards you in that in that he is wishing that all men, all men will come to repentance and that none would perish. I believe that's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. But as I tell you, please check out what I'm saying. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And he's showing that with Cain here. But Cain will not take him up on it because in the next verse, look what it says. I think this is this says a lot. I even put yellow markers around this. You can't see it, but. But right here, I got it underlined, and I even put the yellow highlighter on it. <clears throat> then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of, of Nod, east of Eden. He went out from the presence of the Lord. The Lord is everywhere. You can't get away from the Lord. I believe it says right there that Cain, he just wanted to get away. And I think about <clears throat> I think about this in Romans chapter one. There's there's a phrase that's said three times when it talks about who that men um, they they refuse to acknowledge who the Lord is. They knew who He was, but they refused to acknowledge and give thanks to Him. And it all starts at creation. It all starts at creation. Actually, if you think about it, you have to recognize who the Lord is, that he is creator of heaven and earth, that somebody put all this together. And it all is, it's the final, uh, the, it commences or the, the, it, it, it's, it's finished at Christ. It all, it all finishes. Everything was done through Christ. It's done. It is finished, as he said, on the cross. But it starts with recognizing <clears throat> that there is a God. There is a supernatural being. And I say all that to say this, that you can't get away from him. People have to come to that point. And there's a phrase that's said three times in Romans 1, God gave them over. 
because they, they wanted to get away from him. As much as he would reach out to them, they kept slapping away and saying, no, no. And God gave them over. Now, again, you check out what I'm saying here, but I, I see kind of that same attitude with Cain here. He refused to recognize who God was, and he didn't want to have anything, any no relationship with him at all. But God kept reaching out to him. God kept reaching out to him. First time after he rejected his offering, hey, get a hold of yourself. You can't let sin be master over you. Romans, Paul talks about that too. He talks about that in chapter six. We cannot let sin reign over us. Um, so as we look at this, we go on and, and, and in verses 17 through 26, we see a thriving civilization taking place with Cain's seven generations. <clears throat> Adam and Eve, obviously, they knew their son. They had enough of the records to know who, their, who the family was. And <clears throat> they knew these seven generations, and they kept up with them. <clears throat> they had a props, prosperous and progressive civilization. Problem was, with all the technology that was going on, it was a, it was a civilization it was not built on the Lord God Almighty, their creator. They refused to recognize him. We don't see any recognition of that. We see <clears throat> that it goes on and it says Cain had relations. He knew his wife and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. Um, and it says that he built a city and called the name of the city Enoch after the name of his son. <clears throat> I think what we see here is... Uh, the Genesis record, uh, Henry Morris and John Morris that wrote this, wrote the book, and did a lot of research. They seem to believe that Cain, he might have he might have started the city, but he didn't finish its completion. It was Enoch that probably finished it because Cain's a wanderer. He's a vagrant. He's a sojourner. He never stays in the same place. He just wanders. <clears throat> and obviously, the the always the big question is, who was Cain's wife? We don't know her name. But obviously, she, he was related to her some way because men are starting to populate the earth and explode. An explosion of population is beginning to spread uh, north, south, east, and west, all over. And so he knew he knew his wife, and and so they have a son, Enoch. And then Enoch <clears throat> has Erod, and Erod became the father of Mahujael, and Mahujael became the father of Methu. Shael. Uh, those two letters at the end, L, E-L, it's a reference like Elohim, as in God. L is, is used, it's in Hebrew. Uh, there's some kind of recognition of God, but it might have been just lip service to God. We don't see anything in here where, where there's worship of God. Again, they just kind of recognized it who God was. And then Lamech, <clears throat> he finishes off chapter four here of Cain's family. And he was quite, quite notorious here. He breaks the rules of God's monogamous marriage relationships. One man, one woman, one husband, one wife. He has two wives, Ada and Zillah. They, <clears throat> they must've been quite attractive and there's probably more of a physical lust for both of them. Ada, her name means ornament and Zillah, means shade. Ada gives birth to, uh, to Jabal, 
and he's the father of those who dwell in tents <coughs> and have livestock. So he's a shepherd, very simple lifestyle, kind of a wanderer himself, probably. And Jubal is also born to Ada. Jubal is the one who developed musical instruments like the lyre and the pipe. And then Zilla gave, gives birth to Tubalcane, and Tubalcane has the ability to forge and weld implements of bronze and iron, probably farming equipment. I'd have been, I'm just guessing and I'm speculating, but I'm thinking that because of Cain's background, they probably had that kind of ability, probably made a, um, a plowshare or, or something to uh, a tiller of some sort, maybe a disc for the field. Uh, so to speak, they had this, you know, he had, he had ability. What I'm saying is these men had tremendous ability. They had all kinds of skills. They were bright men. Problem is their hearts were not with the Lord. They were making a civilization that was not on the foundation of God. Kind of building it on, building their, their, their building their strength on sand. The wise, man, uh, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. Foolish man builds his house upon the sand. So, um, but we see that happening. And in, in a, kind of a brief interlude here, the sister of Tubalcain was Nama. Now, this Lamech, let me, let me finish with him. He sings, he, they've developed a song <clears throat> or poetry. And Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zilla, listen to my voice, you wives of Lamech. Give heed to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Now, this is, this is what's interesting about this. This is blasphemy. He's shaking his fist at God. Hey, if you avenged Cain sevenfold, if, if you're going to uh, avenge his for his life, if somebody's going to take him, you, you'd take you'd persecute somebody sevenfold than mine. Hey, 77 fold. That is blasphemy. He's spinning this around a license to sin. And I hate to say it, but we see that a lot in our society today. <clears throat> There's a lot of people who say that they're believers in Christ, but they're using that as a cover to think, Hey, I can do whatever I want. Listen, even freedom has boundaries to it. If freedom doesn't have boundaries, it's lawlessness. And that's what we see going on in Cain's society, lawlessness. <clears throat> it's almost like the strongest survive. That's, that's not showing a lot of mercy if you think about it. But if, as we go here and we go forward in this, we see in, <clears throat> in, uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 18, Peter comes to Christ and says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times. I say to you 70 times seven. I want to read that again. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech 77-fold. Kind of a, kind of a um, opposite way of how this is supposed to work. He's turning this around. He's thinking, hey, <clears throat> I have a license to do what I do. If a boy strikes me, I can kill him. If a man wounds me, I can kill him. Because, hey, 
he forgave Cain sevenfold. Kind of a twisted way of doing this. God's forgiveness is not supposed to be twisted that way. But that's, <clears throat> that's the story of Lamech as we see this. And then, and then in verse 25 through 26, as I finish up here, Adam and Eve, they've got to be devastated because they've lost two sons. They've lost two sons. Obviously, Abel, he's, he died. He died in righteousness. He's the first soul to go into Sheol in the presence of the Lord. And he lived righteously. He lived faithfully. He did everything that the Lord would ask him to do. But he's also, they've also lost a son, Cain, who's just walked away from him. And he's living on the east, east, farther east from them. But not only that, but he's desiring to, he wants to live out of the presence, outside the presence of the Lord. Well, guess what? Adam and Eve receive a son and his name Seth. She gave birth to a son and named him Seth, where she said, God has appointed me another offspring in place of Abel for Cain killed him. The name Seth does mean the appointed one or the one who is substituted. He stepped in his place. And then it goes on to say in verse 26, to Seth, to him also a son was born. And he called his name Enosh. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. There you have your first sight or your first statement of public worship of the Lord. Men are going to gather around and they're going to publicly worship the Lord. They're going to call upon the name of the Lord. Finally, that's coming together. And this is going to be the this is going to be something we're going to see in chapter 5 in this godly heritage of saints here from Adam to Noah. These men are going to pursue the Lord. They're going to come after him. In all that they say and all that they do, their speech, their conduct, everything is going to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ in all that they do. I think about this. I think about this in, in Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. We call upon the name of the Lord. We call upon him for our salvation. We call upon him to be Lord over our life. He is the one who has authority over us, to be a bondservant now. <clears throat> it's not just to do a chore we do it with joy and we do it with thanksgiving and we do it with contentment and satisfaction. When we know that we're in Christ, I think about an old song uh, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but Wayne Watson, he deserves credit for this. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get it right, but I, I love this song. He, he sang in this song, I'd rather be, <clears throat> I'd rather be in the dark with Jesus and to be without him in the light of day. Think about it. When you're with Christ and, and you're in darkness and you're going through a trial and a struggle and there's the, the context is, is, is a big conflict that you're dealing with, that's when you really call upon him and you're pursuing him and, and everything you go through and how hard it is. You know, um, <clears throat> you know people, there's a lot of people who, 
you know, they don't get up in the morning and they go to work and like, hey, God's given me a privilege to go to work. I, I, I'm and and I've I've got a life. I can breathe. I can take a step. I can I can experience life. I think we just kind of short sighted side a short sightedness of everything where we just think, oh, let's just get through this. Let's just let's just survive. God doesn't want us just to survive. He wants us to thrive. I didn't mean to come up with any kind of a pun there or poem, but yeah, he wants us to thrive. And how do we do that? It's not by us pulling ourselves up by our bootstrap. We're on the other side of this. Cain and Abel and those men in, in Genesis chapter five from Adam to Noah, they were looking forward to that to the Redeemer. We're looking backwards at Christ Jesus. They were looking forward to Christ's coming and all of his glory. And they were, they couldn't wait for that day. We look back at it and think, oh my goodness, that day has come. Oh, praise the Lord. Now I'm looking forward to him coming back and I'm going to see him again. That's what we live for. And he is the one we're living. He is the whole reason we live. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Yes, amen and amen. Hey, we're going to get into uh, chapter five, Genesis next time. Uh, hey, Please check out what I am saying. Search out what I am, I am talking about. Paul always, he commended the Bereans because they searched the scriptures daily and they looked at it and they searched it with excitement and eagerness. Let me say that to you. Please check out what I am saying and what I'm talking about. Uh, let's bow our heads for a brief word of prayer. God, thank you for this time. God, I pray for the many people who come in and check this out and what I'm talking about, I pray that they'll search your word. And uh, as we look at this and we see what, what was happening, may we learn from Cain's life and look at the depths of the darkness there and the, and the depravity and the vile, the vile affections. And also just, just how nobody has any, looks at life in any kind of sacred way. But what we see with Adam and Eve as they recovered and as they as you as as you were the one who gave them hope and he brought forth another son, Seth. And as they <clears throat> as as they taught Seth about the curse, and that's the blood that redeems us from the curse. Thank you. Thank you for these lessons. God, thank you for this time that we have. Uh, I pray everybody has a safe fourth of July. And a safe 4th of July weekend. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, and I'll talk to you soon.